You're now tuning in to a Sports Talk podcast produced by the Right Way Sports Network and CEO Malik Wright. Be sure to follow the team's social media on Instagram at TWSNet, on Twitter at TWSNet, and on Facebook at the Right Way Sports Network. We want to change the way you view sports and get your information. And there's only one way to do that. The Right Way. Network. I am your host, Wade of ATL Falcons Nation, coming at you guys with another great show like we always put on on this podcast. And I'm feeling really good today. Just listened to Stairway to Heaven on the radio, and that's already got me in a great mood. Hope you guys had a good weekend. Um, here's to a, a more relaxed and laid-back week. Um, we know it was kind of hectic last week um, in our country, but hopefully for this week, Our messages can still be put across the right way and promoting the change that so many um, are pleading for and also what the NFL is um, responding to, which is what we're going to get into a little bit today. So what we're going to talk about is the Falcons and, like I mentioned, the the Falcons and the NFL promoting social change through several different ways um, throughout the end of last week and and over the weekend. Um, We're going to talk about some of the latest rumors concerning some of our former players and where they might possibly be landing and um, seeing if there's any um, new news on potential um, free agent signings. And we're going to finish the show by doing a little bit more of the Q&A. I didn't get to do as much as I'd like to of last time, but we're going to do a few more questions. I'm going to answer a few more of your questions this week, which I'm really excited about doing because I love doing that with you guys. So let's just get right into this great show we got lined up. Um, first of all, condolences to the Zook family. Um, former Atlanta Falcon John Zook passed away um, over the weekend. He was 72 years old. Um, he he was one of the um, stellar players that played alongside Claude Humphrey there from 1969 to 1975. He spent seven years here in Atlanta, and he played 144 games. And throughout that time, he had 134 starts. So it's quite a remarkable um, feat, especially in the 1970s when football was um, really gritty and nasty with um, everybody on the field. Um, In his time, he had four interceptions, which is quite remarkable for a defensive end. Um, He was the first Falcon to ever record a safety for the franchise. So he holds the record for the first safety committed by a player and he was a 1973 Pro Bowler. So really great um, track record there for John Zook, and my condolences go out to his family. He will forever be remembered as part of the Falcon family here in Atlanta. To kind of carry on with what we opened up a little bit with, um, with social change being just the absolute biggest topic, you can't get around it, you shouldn't get around it, going on in our country right now. Um, last week we saw the powerful message that Michael Thomas, um, Tyron Matthew, Patrick Mahomes, all Saquon Barkley, all of the, you know, top dollar names in the NFL were part of that video to send a message to the um, owners in the league, put them on notice saying, hey, our voices, they need to be heard. We've, we've tried doing it in the past, and it's just not, you know, getting across like it should be happening. We need change. 
So Friday evening, Roger Goodell came out with a video, and there's been a little bit of, you know, um, this was great. Um, some people say this was great. Some are saying, you know, that was great, but we need change. We need to see action. You can't just say it, which is right. There needs to be action instead of just, you know, saying it. And I do believe this time for the NFL, as compared to a few years ago with the Kaepernick situation, um, things will be, will be different this time. Um, I do wholeheartedly believe in Goodell's message where he mentioned that the NFL condemns the systematic oppression of black people. They oppose and condemn racism. And one thing I really enjoyed seeing was um, Goodell sending his condolences to the families of Ahmaud Arbery, George Floyd, and Breonna Taylor, and all of the victims who have been victims of brutality in our country. Um, He did point out that the NFL was wrong for not listening to players earlier. Um, and encourages the, their freedom of speech and their right to protest. And he did say that um, with the protest, um, he wants to be a part of the change that we will see, that we want to see in this country. Um, and it was just re- it really was, you know, nice to see the commissioner in the NFL come out and say that he wants to be a part of the change, you know. Um, all eyes were on him to, you know, come out with a, somewhat better message than what had come, than the league had released a few weeks ago. That kind of received a little bit of negative attention to some people. Um, but now it's up to the owners. You know, it's Goodell had his um, positive message there. Now it's time for the owners to also speak out and do the right thing and be on the right side of history going down the road and not just stand by because that's been the talking point of this whole, you know, big conversation is, people not speaking up when they need to and just kind of letting it by. They may think, okay, that's not right in their heart, but nothing's being done or said about it out loud. So now all eyes are on the owners. Um, It'd be really nice to see um, all 32 come out in the next few days saying or going right along with Roger Goodell. We don't need more silence. So that's something that, that was interesting that came over the weekend from the NFL and Roger Goodell. And here in Atlanta, we had our own little bit of action with um, social change and protest. Um, head coach Dan Quinn partook in a peaceful protest here in Atlanta in Buckhead. Um, and the point of it was to obviously help relations in the city um, with the um, with the also high rate of um, police brutality in the country and also with the tragic events surrounding our state recently. Um, he was joined by Thomas Dimitrov, our general manager. Um, a few other players that were at protests over the weekend were Michael Walker, Ricardo Allen, and Leroy Reynolds. And they were also joined by some of the assistant coaches to our team. So that really is positive. I mean, it's a, it's a good time to be a Falcons fan to see stuff like this happening in um, our city and within our organization. They're, the message is loud and clear that they want to get across. Um, you know, it's something that Like I mentioned, you can't run away from it. You shouldn't run away from it. This needs to be heard. This needs to happen. And I also wanted to point out that Tony Gonzalez, a former Atlanta Falcon great, was also part of a protest in his home state this weekend. So that was something that was positive to see on the highlight of um, our team in this weekend and what they're doing as far as these um, social events are going on with these protests and everything. So it was, and again, again, just – I hope the fan base can see that um, Dan Quinn, the entire coaching staff, and these players, they really do care about um, 
us, the fans, and us as human beings as well. You know, it's something that the the promotion of wanting our voices to be heard really gets helped by, you know, when you see guys like this in their platform um, helping, you know, spread the news and spread the message. Um, and it's just really good to see that coming from our own franchise and um, team here in Atlanta. And to go along with that, last week Matt Ryan, he had a um, he had a message as well. Um, he, when George Floyd, when the George Floyd incident came up, he had a message on Instagram, and he talked about how he's committed to doing what he can and understanding the complexity of the issues for um, people of color and listening and hearing to that. And he says he's only one person, but he will do what he um, knows is right and what he is able to do. So to go along with what Ryan said, Deion Jones went on, Falcons linebacker Deion Jones went on um, the local sports uh, talk radio, 92.9 a game, and he had a really nice quote of Ryan. You know, Ryan has been our team leader since 2008. We know his track record. We know who he is as an individual. He's a very great person. He's held many charitable events um, over his time here in Atlanta and raised a lot of money for a lot of different foundations and charities. So we know the type of person that Ryan is. And Deion Jones kind of spoke on that when they interviewed him. And they were asking, you know, what do you think of Matt Ryan doing, you know, having that message out there about, you know, he's he's taking the lead and um, fighting this injustice. And Deion, this is what Deion Jones had to say, and I'm going to read this quote. He said, he said, that's huge because he's willing to listen, learn, and take action. And that's what it's going to take. We need people like Matt Ryan behind this and stuff like that to support us and really get the message across. And that's the end of the quote. So right there, even on the defensive side, you know, in football, back to football terms now, even on the defensive side of the ball, Deion Jones recognizes that Matt Ryan is the leader of this team. You know, he's in with that responsibility. He's making the most of it. Um, to see him say that we need people like Matt Ryan behind this um, message we're, get, we're getting across is huge. Um, and it's just really nice to see the chemistry there between these players um, all for the benefit of the good here. Um, that's something that also, you know, recent controversy around our own NFC South, that's something really positive to see, you know, quarterback and um, a teammate, you know, connection there. Because, as mentioned, that's kind of been off here in our NFC South. But to see that um, good connection and positive connection, <clears throat> excuse me, take place with our team here is really, you know, nice to see. And to follow up with all of that, Matt Ryan on Friday, he made a post on Instagram, and in that post he said that he was setting up a GoFundMe um, to help Atlanta's black community and raise a goal for it. He raised a $2 million goal, and he already donated $500,000 out of his pocket to, as mentioned, support Atlanta's black community. And in that just short time since, you know, today's Monday evening, and just that short time since um, Friday evening, several players have donated very generous amounts. Um, Thomas Dimitrov was a very nice um, donation. Rich McKay, um, Dan Quinn himself spent twenty or donated twenty five thousand dollars in uh, a donation. So that was, you know, j- just again the follow along with everything we've said so far. It's really awesome to see um, in a time when it seems that no one can 
really agree on one thing. Everyone can agree that this is um, a really great thing that is happening. And in that um, message that he had, as far as, you know, he said he's going to set up this um, GoFundMe and set up these donations and everything, this is what uh, Matt Ryan said in that Instagram post, and I quote, I see my city hurting which is why I'm starting a fundraiser to help improve conditions for people of color in the city of Atlanta. Over the next few weeks and months, I'm going to listen to the needs of the black community and get guidance on how I can be most impactful. And that's the end of the quote. So then again, uh, Ryan's leadership um, and his great qualities of being a human being are being shown there. Um, There's nothing really much more you can say other than that's just positivity spread around um, our franchise like that And that's something that we need to see more of Throughout the NFL But to wrap, it all, wrap all that up Just a great time to be a Falcons fan And see stuff like that happening So that's going to kind of wrap it up For our um, social part of the podcast today And it was a very pivotal point In between what the NFL had to say And then what, the, what our own hometown team is doing um, It's too big of a story not to talk about And it's something we definitely should talk about So I was really glad to be able to talk about that today. So as mentioned, we're going to be talking uh, and mentioning several um, rumors and a little bit of reactions and, you know, potentially um, happening events with former players and potential players. And one thing that is very interesting that I'm about to bring up is that of running back Devontae Freeman, former running back Devontae Freeman. Freeman was released, as we know, due to lack of production, a lack of cap space on the organization's part. Um, and it's kind of been a rocky little bit, you know. The relationship is, you know, definitely took a hit. Most teams, you know, they love to stay and show love for former teammates and players. But ever since uh, Freeman kind of went off on uh, social media talking about how, you know, all of us can kind of like – go somewhere it's kind of been up and down and mostly down since that time but um there's been rumors that he is being um that the buccaneers our own division rival is showing interest in Devontae freeman so one thing that you need that is very you know standing out in this situation is that of bruce arians um on thursday june 3rd bruce arians was um interviewed and was asked a question, you know, are the Buccaneers going to be able to land Devontae Freeman? Are you all interested? Is it, you know, a possibility? And this is what Bruce Arians had to say on the subject. He said, and I quote, if the price tag was reasonable, he's asking for a lot of money, and we don't have a lot of money. And that's the end of the quote. So, and obviously the Buccaneers are, you know, tight on the cap space. Gronk, Tom Brady, Godwin. Evans, and, you know, the list goes on and on, really, for that team, Um, because they're going to be a force um, in our division and throughout the NFL, and, you know, if the Buccaneers were to sign Freeman, I don't know how much of an impact that would be as far as, you know, how, how would that really impact the team, and how much would it, how much production would they get out of Freeman, you know, the impact of spending all that money whether they want a running back who they and after they just invested in a third round running back um in the draft with Keyshawn Vaughn. 
Keyshawn Vaughn was someone I had talked about um, the Falcons potentially picking up in the draft. I had mentioned that several months um, before the draft or just a few um, few weeks before the draft, saying, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn out of Vanderbilt is a potential and uh, potential pickup in this draft for the Falcons. But as we know, the Falcons kind of went crazy and got Todd Gurley, and that was a very positive move and something we all really love to see. So there was no really need to pick up a high-end, you know, top-round running back. So the Bucks did sign Keyshawn Vaughn in the third round, and they also have Ronald Jones there, who had a, you know, way better season last year than he did the year before. So I think the Bucks are kind of set at running back, so there's really no need for Devontae Freeman to really go there and be signed by the Bucks. And it sounds that the interest is kind of dwelling um, there anyway. But Freeman did have a response on Twitter. He tweeted out, um, and this is what he says, he tweeted out, I read in the media that Tampa Bay Buccaneers are interested. A number of teams are interested, but we can't negotiate through the media. The Buccaneers can definitely reach out to me directly. So, and going back to Arian's point about the money issue, the Falcons were set or set to give Devontae Freeman six and a half million dollars this upcoming 2020 season. Um, so let's just keep that in mind. The Falcons were going to give Freeman six and a half million dollars this upcoming season, and after he was cut, the Seattle Seahawks offered Freeman a one-year four million dollar deal. The Seahawks, an established NFL team, an MVP-like quarterback in Russell Wilson, a Super Bowl champion a playoff-built team, a team that just went to the playoffs last season, Freeman turned it down. Now, whether that's a question of, you know, what's more important to him, getting back on the field or money, is up to discussion because there's no way that an NFL team is going to offer, you know, $6.5 million for a battered and weathered Devontae Freeman this upcoming season. And honestly, this is kind of like a Le'Veon Bell uh, Steelers situation where they offered him way more money than he was supposed to or than they were supposed to, and he still turned it down and settled with a subpar, if that, New York Jets team. So to see, you know, Freeman kind of turn down a one-year $4 million deal, which is just, you know, a little bit less than what he was set to make on a playoff team is that's a head-scratcher there. Um, other teams that have shown interest are the Jets and the Eagles and Freeman. But, you know, I – that's that's kind of interesting there for Freeman to turn that um, offer down, um, so to speak, and, you know, after there was a lot of hype going into that, um, supposedly, but I don't know if that's really going to happen anymore. It would have been interesting to see Freeman get signed by the Seahawks because we play the Seahawks week one um, at Mercedes-Benz Stadium, so that would have been a little bit of the, like the homecoming there for Freeman to play against his former team week one. And, you know, if something crazy happens and he does get signed by the Bucks, that's two times a year we play Freeman. So um, just that will just add, you know, add even more to the list of why games against the Bucks matter. Um, so And why they'll be very interesting to watch this upcoming season should that happen. Um, so we'll just see how that all works out. Nothing confirmed, nothing, you know, set in stone, just rumors as of late. Um, I just thought that was kind of interesting there for um, Arians to speak out on that and kind of almost 
you know, kind of put that to rest because the media created a little bit of a story there. And Freeman obviously was not very, you know, happy with learning it out through the media and wants to be um, contacted directly. So let's kind of kind of wrap it up for the Freeman situation. We mentioned that um, Everson Griffin and Vinnie Curry were that were two big names still um, being brought up for the Falcons and being potentially signed by them. Um, last week we talked, we went into their stats a little bit, but in case no one heard it, um, I'll give you kind of the stat line for Everson Griffin and Curry. Um, Vinny Curry last year, he had five sacks, 20 solo tackles, 27 total tackles. And that was kind of like um, a resurgence year for Vinny Curry. And he had his highest sack total since 2014 where he had nine and, you know, having five sacks um, last year was, you know, even over all that time, it really shows, you know, he still got it. So that was in the rumors about the Falcons getting Curry have kind of come to a lull, but you never know what's happened behind those um, closed front office doors, especially with the Falcons getting all that recent cap space um, with um, the cap and trying to get another big name uh, free agent. And to break it down real quick for Everson Griffin, uh, four-time Pro Bowler, 26 solo tackles, 41 tackles um, total last year. Um, One thing I really loved, like I mentioned last week, one thing I really loved was the 24 quarterback hits. Um, Now, you know, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, it won't hurt my feelings to see any of those guys get put in the dirt this upcoming season. So um, whether that be uh, through a sack or – you know, just after the ball is thrown and there's no, you know, ridiculous penalty being thrown. Um, we got to get that quarterback on the ground. Got to get his jersey dirty. So, Everson Griffin so far um, has been the leading candidate as far as um, what fans would love to see. Griffin, all the, you know, all the jersey swaps are out there. Griffin um, is a fan favorite, you, as you might could say, um, for the fans here in Atlanta to Try and the team wanting to try and get him here. So, and another player that um, is another potential signing for the um, Falcons is uh, Dre Kirkpatrick from the Bengals. Um, in 2017, he had a he signed a 52 million dollar contract, but as we know, he's just been released this um, past season. Um, through his eight years, he has 10 interceptions. Um, he had zero interceptions last season. Um, and that's kind of why he was released in his third season of a five-year deal there. Um, but one thing to point out about uh, Kirkpatrick is his connection with Julio Jones and that of his time in Alabama, their teammates. So maybe that will be, um, you know, kind of not so much a decision. Um, we got a little bit of technical difficulties there, but we're going to just get right on backtrack to where we were. Um, we were talking about Everson Griffin and Vinnie Curry being potential um, signings for the Falcons. And as mentioned, they had kind of hit a little bit of a um, null there for um, as far as rumors going on, but there's still names to be um, mentioned. There's still the names out there for the Falcons um, being potentially signed by the team, especially with that um, extra cap. So now we're going to dive into the little bit of fan Q&A we got set up for this week. 
Um, we got some good questions here from you guys, the followers out there who follow my uh, fan page. And as mentioned, love getting these questions. So we got a few, and we're going to start here with Kelvin93 Arnold Jr. He said, am I the only one that's a little heated of ESPN and NFL Network counting this out of the NFC South race? No, you're not, um, because I'm definitely a little heated seeing the media response the last uh, few weeks throughout this offseason, especially post-draft. Um, you know, so I understand where they're coming from, I guess. Um, you know, apparently with Tom Brady now on the Bucks, the you know, Breeze and the Saints, um, they've been to the playoffs for several years in a row. Um Panthers are still a non-factor in my opinion um, because it's pretty much up to those three teams, Falcons, Saints, Bucks, And everyone's put their chips on with the um, Bucks. But like you said, you're a little heated, and I am as well because this is a new Falcons team. It may, look, may not look that much different on paper, but they're still the same guys, um, the same you know critical guys that have, this team has been built around, the greatest wide receiver in the NFL. Julio Jones, um, the um, MVP caliber play of Matt Ryan, uh, Todd Gurley, you know, getting a resurgence, uh, predict, what I am going to predict as a resurgence here in Atlanta. Um, uh, Hayden Hurst, which is an upgrade from Austin Hooper. Yes, I just said that. Faster, a little bit uh, better in the blocking game, um, has great hands, as mentioned, very fast. Um, really going to bring a lot of juice to that tight end position. Uh, Jake Matthews got signed to a new deal for the offensive line. Um, Caleb McGarry and Chris Lindstrom entering their second year on the offensive line. And I've mentioned this time and time again for um, our football team. We're going as far as our offensive line is going to allow us to. If you can't protect Matt Ryan, if you can't block for Todd Gurley and, you know, give any of these guys time to make plays, we're not going to go far. How is Matt Ryan going to make plays when he's on his back the whole game? That was a very critical issue last year. People love to get on to Matt Ryan um, last season, uh, but especially in the Rams game, you know, it was because the Falcons started hot and then really just burned out and was and lost in the game. But there was a picture that I bring up time and time again. Literally, there are like five Rams players attacking Matt Ryan in one picture. I mean, he got hurt that game. Matt Ryan got hurt in that game, and he missed his first game um, – he missed his first game for the first time since 2009. If anything, Matt Ryan is as durable as a quarterback can be, especially with playing with the offensive lines he's had to play with throughout his entire career. You know, hitting 40 sacks, um, 40 plus sacks there in 2013, and you know it just continued in 14. Um, 16 was a prime example of why, or of how the offensive line should have been built. Veteran players um, combined with young, young skill and strength. That's what also led to our Super Bowl run there um, because it was all built around the offensive line. Freeman and Coleman really went hand-in-hand, hand, um, and that was due to blocking an offensive line. So to answer your question, yes, I'm heated because this offensive line is going to be revamped. This defense is built um, under the under the uh, direction of Raheem Morris, who was the leading factor, in my opinion, to our 6-2 and two finish last year and victories over the – Saints and 49ers, might I add, in their own houses. So that is, you know, something that I'm, I'm, I'm a little, 
I'm upset about it, but here's the deal. When everyone counts out the Falcons, that's when the Falcons um, outperform themselves. On the contrary, when the Falcons are predicted to do, you know, big numbers and, you know, go, you know, 16-0, and 0, that's when the Falcons tend to underperform. You know, for some reason or another, that's how it goes in this town. Um, so keep counting us out. That's, you know, I really enjoy that as a Falcons fan because we love to spoil um, a lot of games and seasons for um, opposing teams. Just ask the 2015 Carolina Panthers. We got another question from Abil Samir. He says, what free agents should we still try to sign? Obviously, Everson Griffin and Benny Curry. I just mentioned that, and I've mentioned it time and time again over these last few weeks. But there's a few more that um, I'm going to point out. And that is, one of them is Clay Matthews. I pointed him out a few weeks ago as well. Um, he had eight sacks for the Rams last season. And, you know, kind of getting a family connection there with Jake Matthews would be kind of cool. Um, not just for the sake of, you know, it's you know family time in Atlanta, but for the sake of, you know, Clay Matthews, here he is. Um, a well-aged um, player and still put up eight sacks last year. So, you know, get it. I And I mentioned the first time when I brought up Clay Matthews, it would be nice to get his veteran talent in um, like that, what D- Dwight Freeney did in 2016, helping Vic Beasley um, lead the NFL in sacks that year. Under that veteran direction, Clay Matthews would be able to do the same, in my opinion, with that of Tack McKinley, Charles, the um, acquisition of Charles Harris. There's no need to teach Grady Jarrett. So just imagine all that built around a veteran player like it was in 16, where the Falcons, you know, made a spark with young players. So if Clay Matthews were to come to Atlanta, that would, that would be, you know, my vocal point for it all. You know, that's that's why I would want Clay here. And I think the Falcons should take a look at it. Um, another player I think is Cameron Wake. Um, he is a very well-aged veteran. Um, I mean, like, like I mentioned with, um, uh, Vic Beasley and Dwight Franey, Cameron Wake could do that because he's even on it. He's, he's more so of an aged person than Clay Matthews. So basically Cam, Cameron Wake could do the same thing. Um, as I mentioned with Clay Matthews, um, Another guy, I think Michael Kendricks, he would really help the linebacking core for our team. Um, we lost Devondre Campbell. We have Foyce Aluakin. Um, a lot of the de- <clears throat> defensive coordinator or uh, defensive coaches and players say, you know, Aluakin is ready. You know, he's ready to start. He's ready to play. Um, you know, this guy's bat- he's, he's obviously battle tested. Um, in the special teams game, he helped um, help the Falcons get <laughs> three onside kicks. So um, he's he's obviously been in big situations. Um, is he ready for that starting role? In my opinion, it it, it is tough to it is tough to um, you know match a guy's speed to that of Deion Jones, um, considering Deion is one of the one of the fastest linebackers in the NFL. So, but I see no problem in why Foyseed couldn't play alongside uh, Deion Jones because, like I mentioned, he's been here a good amount of time. He's been in big situations. And, you know, he can kind of take in that place of what Devondre Campbell had when, you know, covering tight ends over the middle and playing um, in pass coverage. Because Devondre Campbell, if you take a look at the stats, he is he was one – in his time in Atlanta, he was one of the best pass-covering uh, linebackers in the NFL. 
and under the direction of Campbell over these past few seasons, and you know, Aluokin is capable of doing that. You know, it is there. So to get Kendricks, that would for on a one-year deal, that would be very, you know, that would motivate Aluokin, I believe. Um, I mean, in last year alone, when he was with uh, Seattle, he recorded 71 tackles um, and three sacks, and he just played 14 games. So that would be some serious competition to go against there, considering Alulukin hasn't started and Kendricks is a solidified player in this um, league. So I would like to get Michael Kendricks, um, see how that would go down in training camp. Um, One-year deal, I really think that would really work, in my opinion. So um, Michael Kendricks is someone I would vouch for. And I may go out on a little bit of a limb here and say Aqib Tlaib, um, he is 34, um, and his health has been that of concern over the past two years, considering he's only played 13 games. But then there again, another instance of uh, veteran leadership could really help a young and inexperienced um, cornerback group here with our defense. You know, um, I believe in first-round pick A.J. Terrell. I think he's going to be um, everything he's made out to be on the positive side, that is. I know a lot of our fans were very quick to jump the gun on that and say, what are you doing? But, no, I believe – I'm a believer in A.J. Terrell. Um, and then alongside Terrell, we have Kendall Sheffield. Just young guys. And Kendall, But Kendall Sheffield, as a rookie last season, really put on um, playing numbers that I'd like to see. So to get veteran leadership with that of Tlaib would be, you know, something to take a look at. So – and to go back what I said a few minutes ago with Kirkpatrick, hopefully you all heard all of that, but Drake Kirkpatrick out of the Bengals, another example of veteran leadership that could help this um, uh, cornerback and secondary core. So that's going to um, wrap it up for that question. We got C. McDowell. He says, who is, he says, favorite Falcon who is no longer active. And he says his is Tony Gonzalez. So favorite Falcon who is no longer active. Well, there's a lot of um, great, great former Falcons out there. Um, Tommy, Novi- Tommy Novus was a distant relative of mine. He passed away several um, years ago. But he, uh, he was Mr. Falcon, you know. Uh, first ever pick by the Falcons out of Texas. Um, definition of hard nose, you know, gritty, 1960, late 1960s, 1970s. Um, NFL football, you know, um, Tommy Novus is definitely up there due to, you know, the little bit of a, you know, uh, family connection there. And because, you know, he is Atlanta Falcons. He is Mr. Falcon. Um, I love, you know, I love me some Roddy White. It's great to see him on social media these days, getting back in the game, sort of, um, if you will, you know, interacting with um, our fan base. Um, Roddy White was a staple here in Atlanta throughout the you know, late the late end of the Mike Vick years, and then, you know, as the Matt Ryan years came, you know, Roddy White really established his name and became one of the all-time great Falcon wide receivers. Still, you know, in the top three, in my opinion, of Falcon receivers ever. Um, Roddy White was definitely, uh, and definitely is one of my favorites. Um, another favorite, like you mentioned, Tony Gonzalez. I love Tony G. Uh, Michael Turner brought a lot of great runs to our team here in the early or in the late um, 2000s, I should say. Um, another player, Andre Risen. You know, we all know, most of the NFL knows Andre Risen for his 
um, fiasco there with Deion Sanders in the 90s in the Georgia Dome at that, you know, fight club event. But Andre Risen was a character. He's a great uh, – he was a good receiver for our team. Um, a lot of characters that have been on our team. So that's one thing I'm proud to be as a Falcons fan. We've had a lot of great players with great personalities. Um, Antone Smith is a guy that is underrated, in my opinion, that was an Atlanta Falcon. It seemed that every time he got the ball on a screenplay, he ran for a 40-yard touchdown. I mean, it was – I don't – one thing I would always scream at the TV back there in 2013-14, you know, give Antone the ball. He's going to score. Lightning fast player. Um, only real Falcon fans know about Antone Smith, the Jarius Norwoods, um, before his um, uh, substantial injury that ultimately um, ended his NFL career. Um, so that kind of is a few of my favorites. Um, obviously, a little bit before my time, Steve Barkowski, you know, uh, Billy White Shoes, Johnson, um, Alfred Jenkins, um, Jesse Tuggle, um, Brian Jordan, who is, you know, very well and alive here in our Atlanta culture as he speaks on behalf of our Braves on Fox Sports and still is involved with the Falcons in some ways. Work done. One of the greatest Falcon running backs of all time, William Andrews, um, another Falcon great. So I don't know if I really can pick a favorite Falcon. Um, I am biased towards the 70s. So if I had to choose a favorite Falcon who's no longer active, I would say Steve Barkowski, Um, arguably our second best quarterback in history. Um, Definitely top three, no question. So that is definitely one of my favorite players um, who is no longer active but is a Falcon staple. So that's going to wrap up our Q&A section or um, session and part of this podcast. And it's also going to wrap up our podcast for today. Um, we, we talked about the social changes that our team is trying to make here in Atlanta with Dan Quinn uh, partaking in protests. And he was joined by assistant coaches and players. What Matt Ryan's trying to do here and what he has been um, able to do. He's already raised, um, one and a half million dollars um, since Friday alone. So really positive things going on in our city. Um, Deion Jones, as mentioned, great to have good player relations, especially what's been going on in our NFC South. And we're setting the standard for um, good teammates and player relations within the franchise. Um, Devontae Freeman potentially joining the NFC South, nothing set in stone, certainly from Bruce Arian's standpoint of saying they don't even have enough money or a lot of money to sign Freeman. And the interest in Vinnie Curry and Everson Griffin still waning kind of. Um, But like I mentioned, never know what's going on behind those front office doors. So that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Peachtree Podcast brought to you by the Right Way Sports Network. And I hope you guys have a great week. Um, I can't wait to see what questions we got coming from you guys this week so we can try and answer a few more next week and in the future. So that's going to wrap it up for this week, and I hope to join you guys next week as well. Keep rising up. Thank you for taking the time to listen in to our podcast. 
produced by the Right Way Sports Network. Subscribe to our channel for more awesome content and follow us on social media on Instagram at TWSNet, on Twitter at TWSNet, and on Facebook at the Right Way Sports Network. And remember, there's only one way to get your sports news and updates, and that is the Right Way.